walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer, then no time left for a jog. When everyone else is relying on you, it's easy to put your needs last. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist online, so you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. to episode two of season two of beyond baseball powered by blast motion as always i'm jared perkins and i'm joined by dr caleb mezzi uh caleb how are you doing today i'm good how are you doing well excited the season started uh love having baseball back in full swing whether it's the major leagues college minor league it's the best time of the year right now because you get all three all three levels going um so it's an exciting time to have uh, baseball back um how are you feeling about the Phillies right now with no Hoskins and Harper? Yeah, so, I mean, we're still in that opening week, I guess, um, is what they're calling it, because some teams are still making their home openers. Um, went to the game yesterday. Team had a spark that they needed, um, but they're definitely missing those two guys that you just mentioned, not to mention the other injuries and the inconsistency. It looks like a little bit of a World Series fatigue, but I don't really like that expression or phrase being used that much, but I'm feeling good. I think we're seeing a lot of, craziness that we usually see in the first week or so um but the rays have continued to impress as usual yeah i always said that the royals are still on a world series fatigue from 2015 so it's just a long one just a long gated uh player or world series fatigue uh but kicking off the beginning of the season one of the coolest things that happened is the players union major league baseball agreed to the first uh minor league baseball cba um, so Jeff Passan broke the news, uh, I think it was last week, uh, and showed put some details out about the pay cre- increases in the minor league. So complex league players are going from like $4,800 per year to $1,900, low A, eleven to $2,600, um, and so on. So each level is going to see uh, a pay increase, um, and the players are also going to get paid almost year-round, aside from like their six-week uh, break in the winter. Um, so what are your thoughts on that, uh, CBA? I mean, the easy thought, and this is really actually how I'm feeling, is I think that this was a long time coming. Yeah. I think once we saw minor league baseball go under the MLB, um, a, C- a new CBA was going to be negotiated. I think it just had to take some time to figure out what everybody wanted. I think everybody knew. I mean, there was some really good research that came out um, in the last year, maybe a little more than a year, but in terms of what they wanted and what they could do in terms of you know livelihood, uh, player development standpoint, if they had more money. Um, obviously we know this, we've talked about it. We've heard stories about how little they were paid. 
So yeah. I think that increase was just going to happen. I'm really interested to see further what resources they get, um, how they are really in, in doctrined into this whole MLB umbrella, but they fall under, you know, this minor league baseball thing because you don't want to be perceived as like, oh, you're just getting this because now you're here. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like that. I just think that this was bound to happen and should have happened 15, 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh... It's awesome to see. I mean, the one thing that, so I did an article for Prospects Live kind of interviewing a couple of players just to get their reactions on what the CBA means for them. And Troy Johnston of the, the Miami Marlins, he was basically like, this just means we can live normal lives, yeah. right? They can just finally uh, breathe a little bit with the inclusion of housing that uh, Major League Baseball uh, implemented not too long ago. Um, they now have stable housing. They have a little bit of an increased pay bump. So it's not going into the off season, having to worry about, working or finding another job um, or going home back to their parents' house probably to stay and live until the season kicks off again. So um, I think there's some like really good significant steps there. Um, it gives them the opportunity to actually live. Um, and I think that one of uh, uh, Kumar Nambir uh, from the Oakland A's also said, he goes, it lets us focus on training in the off season so we can get ourselves ready to go. And I think you could see some significant steps taken in player development as these guys now have the freedom to really focus on their skill set in the offseason. Yeah, I think the sad thing is, is that this is just a, a pay increase to live a normal life like you just mentioned and like you heard, yeah. which means that the money was probably sitting there the whole time. and There could have been a reason to do this earlier, but the CBA kind of made it so that this labor negotiation could take place and then these guys can get their rights. Um, yeah. And that's really what happened. I think in terms of the resources, they're going to see more and more uh, resources being rolled out and accessible to these minor leaguers, which is needed. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to be oriented for them to take full advantage of that. Um, but as usual, money is a big part of you know our everyday life. That's yeah. why we work that's why we to feed our family, feed ourselves, all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious to see what follows this. Is, is there going to be more of a financial angle here is there going to be more of an educational aspect of like what to do and then are we going to see more of those i don't want to say poverty stricken minor leaguers rise through the ranks because they were given this opportunity versus the bonus babies and mm -hmm. the million dollar bonuses that we would always see um just kind of get fast tracked to the major leagues i think the education portion that you touch on is important to to kind of hit on because like Money's great, but how are you also setting these guys up for after the career? Like that's what we talk about with a lot of guys who've retired and trying to figure out what they're going to do next. So good first step paying them, but are you providing them the resources in order to like when baseball ends, are this still a, an outlet for them to go to? Right. And they sit here and they know that they have these skills from the field and playing on a team and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if they're being talked, you know, to or, about how they're going to actually transfer those skills into their next phase of life. And the other thing here is we've always seen that money was the thing mm -hmm. that teams showed that they were invested into a player, right? And now if they're raising the stakes in terms of the financial investment into these players, what is going to be that differentiator for the teams to say, hey, we're spending more time on you or because we drafted you and paid you this much or this round that you're going to be fast-tracked? At the same time that we're seeing this this change in the CBA, we've also been able to see the change in the draft, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what I say, maybe it's not a, an official change, but I the change in concentrated to college players. Why is that? I, I mean, my personal opinion is that they're concentrating on guys who are already a little more developed. 
Yeah. Uh, they're using college to, I mean, you know this too, but, you know, using college to actually like develop these players so that they come here and they could make it an immediate impact or a quicker impact, I should say. So I think like those two things of being college educated, getting a higher um, pay at each level um, is going to only help the farm systems grow and, you know, get the, get this talent to the majors. Yeah. I mean, that kind of segues too into our interview that we're going to have today with Anderson Miller, who, uh, it's recently actually unfortunately released by the Los Angeles Dodgers, but career minor leaguer basically drafted by the Kansas City Royals, um, went out and played independent ball. And he dies into the story of how he was working at Costco um, early in the morning, then trying to train, then going to the field. But then he was also finishing his degree at the same time um, from his university. Uh, I think it's at Western Kentucky. But I mean, it's kind of a, a humbling story to just hear what he had to do just to chase his dream, right? Just to get that second opportunity after being released by the Royals to try to make it with another team. Uh, there are some things that stood out in that interview for you. Oh, ton. I mean, I think one of the things that you, you know, left out, and I know it's not to varying the lead, is he also became a father. I mean, mm-hmm. of all those things, that's probably the hardest thing that he has to do yeah. while you're playing baseball, while you're, you know, married. I, I'm not going to say you have a wife, but you're married. Like you have to deal with that marriage too. And, you know, be able to be a good husband and a good father at the same time while also trying to be a good baseball player. Um, He is somebody who not only really understands himself now, but he he found a purpose. I'm not going to reveal what exactly that purpose is. I will tell everybody to look at his Twitter feed. It's probably the first time he's ever plugged heavily um, a Twitter feed, but he has shared really kind of where he is now and where he's going. Um, we talked about this minor league thing and this concentration on the future of minor leaguers, education, the CBA, and all these kind of things. Anderson has actually made it an impact like to say, like, this is what I want to do next. He doesn't know if it's going to be on the mental health side or if it's going to be an advocate for African-American uh, baseball players getting into the game because they need that, too. Right. Or it's just going to be helping and sharing his own story of like, this is what it's like to be this kind of player to go through the minors, to have yeah. these things, to not have this money, but that, you know, you know, all these stories that he has, he could write a book. He could, he kind of did in tell in telling us his entire path, but he's humbled by the whole thing instead of acting like a victim. And I think that was one of the things that I really took out of this. He's a very interesting person. He's a very, very cerebral person. And I think that when we hear him speak, we hear the emotion, we hear the heart, the passion, um, but we also understand that he is the phrase that we've talked about before more than baseball. And that's where he is right now is he's trying to figure out exactly what that is for him. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And we just want to get you to that interview with Anderson Miller. Uh, but first, we'll have a quick ad read from our sponsors, uh, Blast Motion. You are listening to Beyond Baseball powered by Blast Motion. Are you ready to dominate at the plate this season? Blast Baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution trusted by more MLB, college, and travel ball teams than any other. The blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code LIVE at checkout to save $10. Unlock your potential with Blast. All right, welcome to another episode of Beyond Baseball by Powered by Prospects Live. As always, I'm Jared Perkins uh, here with Caleb Mezzi, but we have an incredible guest here today, uh, Anderson Miller, outfielder with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Anderson, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Um, we actually had a day off today. Uh, we've been going at it pretty hard. Um, I'm in kind of a uh, big league camp backup group, so we got nice. here the same day as uh, big league camp started, um, going pretty hard at it. So, um, 
had the day off today, so I've been enjoying my afternoon and uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. I mean, your journey through professional baseball and your story is just awesome. Um, so the first question I always ask, just for the viewers who don't know you, share your story and kind of how you got to where you are now. Oh, man. <laughs> I have to make that a, a long form podcast, uh, like Andrew Huberman or something, <laughs> but, uh, I'll give you guys a spark notes. Um, grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, didn't get recruited by Kentucky or Louisville, went to Western Kentucky, played my college baseball there, drafted in the third round in 2015, uh, 98th overall by the Kansas city Royals spent seven years with them, uh, 2015 through 2021. Uh, made it all the way up to AAA, was in big league camp in 2021, became a free agent in uh, 2022, spent last year playing independent baseball, and um, that was crazy. And um, now I signed a free agent contract with the Dodgers um, back in January. Um, here right now in Glendale, Camelback Ranch, um, fighting for a job in AA or AAA, not really sure, um, but just showing up, doing my best every day. and. Uh, yeah, enjoying myself and uh, just glad to be back in this environment, man. Uh, truly a blessing. Yeah. I talk about that transition to being released and having to go to end- independent ball. Um, just because we talk a lot about how um, players are trying to find ways to separate themselves from the game. And for you, like when you had to make that transition to independent ball, what was that like for you and kind of what kept you and motivated you to keep going? Um, well, it's funny, man, because you said, you know, you said release, but you know, if you look at my minor league transaction page, um, never really got released. I, uh, elected free agency, Mm. um, basically meaning that my con I played all the way through my contract and, um, didn't get re-signed by Kansas city. Um, so from there was in free agency expecting to sign a deal pretty quickly. I thought, you know, I was in major league camp and was putting together a decent year in AAA after going through some early struggles and um, things just kind of drug along. And then the lockout came and mm-hmm. a guy like myself, who's got everything except for big league time and 40 man roster time um, kind of slipped through the cracks just because of the fact I don't have any big league experience and uh, found myself in quite a situation uh, going into like January, February of uh, 2022. Um, found myself in this spot. Um, and the context is important here because my wife was at the time, um, seven, eight months pregnant Mm -hmm. and really was just in a pickle to be quite honest with you. Um, baseball, I had always said I wasn't going to go play independent baseball. Um, just like if that time came for me, that was all I kind of needed to know. And it was my time to kind of move on from the game. And then I found myself in this spot where I had put in so much time and I, you know, I'm 27 years old at the time. Now I'm 28. Um, felt like I had really learned from my experiences and also was hitting my physical peak, uh, kind of a late bloomer just in general in life and really started to learn some things about my swing in the last uh, couple of years with Kansas city. and was really looking forward to applying those to my game. So, um, just honestly went to independent ball as, as a, as a way for me to say, you know what, I got, I got full closure and exhausted every opportunity. You know, I've been at this dream for gosh, two decades, at least, you know, I've been thinking of myself as a major league player since at least I was probably seven, eight years old. Um, showed up there, man. And that it was just, it was crazy because, uh, my son Kai was born right at the start of the season. Um, and literally was like, 
well, what the heck do I do now? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? My son, my son's born, um, April 24th and, um, the season started like April 5th, I want to say, or April like 13th or something. Like I literally had no time. Um, and just went, um, went and played, man. And my manager, I got to give him a shout out. His name's Mark Minikazi. Um, last year in the Atlantic League was like, man, I had my son. I was managing last year. I don't really know how you're going to do this. Um, also, the other part about this is I my house is in Louisville. We live in Louisville. The team I was playing for is in Lexington. Mm. So for you all that don't know, that's about an hour and 15-minute drive every day. Yeah. Um, so I was making that drive every day with a newborn baby um running on like two three hours of sleep you know showing up to the park like kind of what the heck am i doing you know i love baseball um i know i'm good at baseball but this is really crazy you know i'm essentially playing in an empty stadium man this is quite a transition from where i was at last year playing with some of the best guys in the world and you know pretty much the whole royals big league team yeah um and being a a staple in the lineup, uh, until I got hurt. Um, you know, and just truly crazy. So I was actually playing like a week on, on, at home trips. And when the team went on the road, because my manager just understood what, what I was in the situation I found myself in, I actually stayed home, um, when the team went on the road. So I was essentially playing last year, a week at a time, taking a complete week off to be at home. And showing up and somehow figuring out a way to put up some decent amount of numbers. Um, Yeah, man. So the best way I can describe last year is that um, the mental resiliency that I had to have was on a level that I don't think anybody truly understands. And I haven't really explained the story. Um, Even on my own podcast, um, I try to make it about the guest instead of kind of telling my story. Um, I've thought about kind of diving into this. So I'm glad I've kind of got the (laughs) chance to talk about this because people really don't know. But, um, man, truly a crazy time. And I just showed up there for, for closure to know that, you know what, if this is the end of the road, um, I'll have peace knowing I exhausted every single opportunity and I didn't sell myself short and really just kind of did everything I could. And also in the meantime was trying to be there for my son and my wife and, and trying to do the best thing for what I stand for and values. And I value my family over everything. Um, baseball is a game that you have to love. It definitely does not love you back. Um, you may feel like you're entitled to having a job. It's most certainly not the case. And I learned that the hard way Yeah. and found myself between a, uh, you know, facing an obstacle that I didn't know how I was going to get around it. But the only way to truly go through it was, you know, to go straight into the obstacle and try to move forward. And, uh, see that all as something that was for my for my greater good and you know a version of myself that I didn't know existed and really kind of what got me through all of that to be honest guys is um you know I'm lucky enough to be a a dad to a little boy and I felt like at the end of the day how am I going to be able to tell him to go do hard things in life if I'm not willing to endure them myself And if I would have just kind of walked away from that opportunity to kind of test who I really was, you know, I've been through quite a bit of adversity in my career and, but nothing compared to this, truly nothing, you know, labrum surgery, injuries, handmade surgeries, whatever, knickknack injuries, nothing, nothing like this. This is real life, right? You know, I've got a, I'm literally taking care of a small human. Yeah. 
and also trying to figure out, you know, what am I doing with my own, with my own self? You know, what, what am I actually about? And really, man, it just became something that was bigger than me. And it propelled me at times where I'm driving, you know, three hours, two hours a day on two, three hours of sleep, playing a game in an empty stadium, just like, because I knew it was bigger than just myself. So, um, that's what got me through it. And, um, then, you know, towards the end of the year, I was, uh, last fall. So just to give everybody kind of a timestamp update of where all this is taking place, um, around early September, um, school was about to start up and I still had a uh, Western Kentucky was about to start school. And I, I needed to go get my degree because I didn't think baseball was coming back after this, right? Like who in their right mind would think that they're going to show up to indie ball, play basically half the games and somehow find a job back in affiliated, ball. you know, like yeah. I knew better than that. So I went back to school, got my degree um, and asked for my release from the, uh, from the wild health genomes, which was the team I was playing for in the Atlantic league. Asked for my release, got a mutual release, cool. Um, and then went back to school. Um, in that process, I also um, moved on from having an agent. So I actually represented myself this off season. And um, because if I was going to get full closure, right, this whole thing was just a closure mission, right? Um, like, if this is how I'm going to go out, I'm going to know that I was the one that got the answers. I wasn't sitting around waiting on somebody else to explain my story, advocate for myself, put together all these things, tell, you know, nobody's going to tell your story like you can. So that's what I did um, with the help of a coach on the uh, Royals big league team. Um, put together a video from AAA and big league camp and then some independent ball uh, games and put together an email explaining my story. Like, Hey, like, I think I could be an asset to your organization. Um, this last year was crazy. Um, but I know I'm better for it. And um, here's a list of references of people that are players and coaches that are respected in the game. If you want to reach out to them, feel free. I'm here to talk. And I actually heard back from, you know, quite a few teams. I want to say like eight to 10 teams. And I was like, hey, this is really cool because, you know, 2022 was essentially like really quiet um, compared to that. And I was really surprised by that. But the feedback I got on all this was like, Man, it means a lot more coming from the player than it does the agent. Um, mm-hmm. We respect because just in general, it takes a certain level of. I'm not really sure what the word I'm looking for to, kind of, do the, the work to, get in contact with these people, right? Like front office people, their contact information isn't just readily available. You can't just Google and find yeah. farm director X Y and Z's email, right? Like, you have to be given that information and have relationships in the game to, to do that in the first place. And luckily I've always valued myself on treating people the right way. So I had those relationships and it was a time to rely on those. And I did, and this was my full, you know, this is me completely emptying the tank. So I did that and heard back and, you know, things progressed with Los Angeles. They did their due diligence. Um, and they said, we've heard too many good things um, from too many people about one guy to not not get you in here and see what's going to happen, man. So from here, truthfully, I don't know, right? We've still got about three weeks of camp. Yeah. I've been here for probably three. I don't know. Um, but to even be back in this situation, man, like I tweeted it the other day, a couple of pictures of us just working out. And I was like, I can't really quantify what it means to 
be back here in this environment after what I just went through. Um, and hopefully <laughs> explaining, you know, this, this story, like the odds of it are slimmer than none. Truthfully. I mean, like truly unthinkable, but you know, part of me kind of just also is like, maybe good things do happen when you do things the right way, you know? And just what a journey to be back here, man. I mean, two months ago, I was working at Costco at 5 a.m. in the morning, mm-hmm. um, stocking shelves, grocery shelves, um, you know, cleaning. I was scrubbing the floor of a bakery, man. And yesterday, I'm hitting a homer in a Dodger uniform. Um, I can't really, like, it's just crazy, man. I'm, I'm really thankful. Um, I also believe in myself that no matter what happens from here, like I'm going to be good because of what I just went through. And hopefully, um, I can use just kind of the mental strength and resilience that I've developed through all these different scenarios to, um, impact others and, you know, continue to check on people because the biggest part about all this is man, like, yes, the situation is crazy, but the biggest thing was I had to rely on other people and, and, and be just a good person and and truly just have a solid circle to get me through this. And nobody goes through anything alone. Um, and it really took, you know, it took my wife supporting me through some of the most difficult times ever, hopefully that we ever have. And, and some friends that were in my corner when a lot of the people that, um, a lot of people gave up and that's okay. That's just human nature. You know, nothing wrong with that. I don't take that personal. But the people that were by my side through all of this, man, like truly wouldn't be here right now um, in Glendale um, without them. Because there were so many times where I could have just walked away and I didn't just because I had some people in my corner just saying, man, just like see it all the way through. And just really thankful for where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, your story is incredible. I want to toss it over to Caleb here in a second for a question. But one thing I want to touch on, too, is this is kind of why we launched this podcast, right, for these types of stories. Because when that whole entire debate was going on during the lockout, like no one was realizing what was happening to guys like you. Like the people who have families and kids and all these things that they have to think about outside of the game. Like no one was really focused on what the impact was on the actual individual human being. So I think Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I really took away from your story. That's huge. And the second thing is it's awesome to hear how much you relied on relationships and how much you cared about building relationships with people and you weren't afraid to go to the get go to them when you needed that help. And I think that's awesome. But I'll toss it over to Caleb. I know you probably have a few questions. Yeah, I mean Anderson, thank you for sharing all that. I think I think listening to, you know, not only the tone, the passion, the emotion that you have in your story and sharing that, I think it's also evident that you went through these peaks and valleys and not to sound cliche, because like that's kind of what we hear. It's never a straight line, it's never linear, like all these kind of cliche phrases that we always hear. But you're telling, you know, from out of high school you thought you could have got, you know, recruited landed at a school local to you kind of, you know, fell under the radar, went to this school and then, you know, you proved it yourself and you came out as a third rounder, which many would be like, that's a blessing in itself to get that far. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you go to an organization, you work your way all, all the way up to triple A and then you, you know, the, the, the downward, you know, starts to happen. And obviously during the COVID era, if we want to call it that um, everybody's had their own peaks and valleys, but I think you looked inward at yourself a lot. So one of the things I want to ask you, and I'm, I'm cutting off my uh, 
recall of your story there on purpose and on mm-hmm. take wise. I'm curious as you went through that before you became a father, right? What did you, or how would you say you identified? Because it sounded like from when you were eight years old, you thought you were a baseball player. So I'm curious. I know I could tell from your story and from me being a father myself that once you became a father, that's how you identified, number one. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of cutting it off there so we can go back and revisit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, 2020, you know, I hadn't even talked about that. And for a lot of people, that would have been like, the biggest adversity but like that's gotten triumphed so much in the last year and a half which is crazy to think about because going through that prepared me for what I just went through right um 2020 right so was supposed to be my first year in AAA was having a great spring and then around this time then got sent home and um thought I was going to be a part of the alternate site with the Royals and ended up not going because they knew this is what I was told um we know you're dependable enough to be a professional and take care of yourself at home we need to get some of our younger guys around the culture and um just make sure they're that they're in this environment because we know you're going to be okay um I get that that also really hurt you know what I mean um so there I was in a place where it's like man, what do I do now? Um, no baseball. And I've lost baseball before. You know, I tore my labrum in uh, freshman year of college and came back from that. So that was like my first true, like, I guess, exposure to kind of losing the identity of a baseball player. Um, this time around, uh felt a little different because I felt like I was really on the track of doing something good. And um, then it was just gone. So in that process, um, honestly, 2020, man, like really looked inward. Like, you know, I can't control what's just happened here. How do I, what, what do I want to look back on this and, and make this look like, do I come out of this the best version of myself or do I blame my circumstances for not getting to my true, um, self-actualization, I guess is the best thing I'll say. Like the, when I say that I'm envisioning the best version of me, right. I can't necessarily control what happens from here, but I can try to show up and be my consistent best version of myself. Um, So 2020 kind of led me into that. And then, you know, I go through 2021 and it's kind of, it's a big ego boost for me, you know, Um, stayed ready in 2020 and ended up, we played a month in Kauffman stadium and turned that into a major league spring training invite, which I'm, I'm not really sure how that happened, but I was prepared for the opportunity. Right. And made the most of it. Um, so not really a coincidence, I guess, but you know, I go, I go into 2021 major league camp, AAA. I'm feeling really good about myself. Like I'm thinking, okay, from here, like I'm going to sign a contract. All this minor league grinding is actually going to be worth it. Um, I'm finally going to be able to financially provide for my family and at a time where I need it, right. My wife is now pregnant and, um, it was gone nowhere to be found. Right. And now I, I'm in a pretty bad spot here um, from an identity standpoint, like totally lost, really struggling to be excited about um, my son coming into the world, truthfully, because like it's not going how I expected it to go and really wrestled with that. And um, my wife is a master's in psych and um, she's a great communicator. 
and um, she just recommended, you know, and we had done it before, but she just recommended like, maybe you should just try to get into therapy a little bit and just show up consistently. So I did that. Um, I made a commitment to that probably, let's see, probably the start of like, I want to say like December, 2021 ish. Um, just made a commitment to show up for myself and didn't want to go the sports route. Wanted to show up to somebody that has nothing, no knowledge of sports. And luckily the first person I met with and connected with, we really hit it off and I just kind of fully dove into uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is um, really changed my life. And um, I actually can't see her right now because we're in a, I'm not in her jurisdiction because of um, being in Arizona and, you know, she's based out of Kentucky, but um, we have been meeting. I mean, I've been going to her steadily for the last year and a half, I would say, and really just reshifting and reframing self-esteem into self-compassion and, you know, understanding that I can't really control these cards, but I've done the best I can at every single turn with what I've been given. And it's been really hard. And regardless of how it, how it shakes out, like, you know, being able to kind of replace that self-esteem, which is the best way I can describe it. That friend that, that those people that are around when everything's going really, really well, but when it's not going well, they're nowhere to be found or they make you feel really small. And that was the self-talk that I was dealing with. You know, once this was gone, man, you're a failure. Like you thought you had all this and you're really not, you're really not anything, you know, you're not like, how are you going to be a good father? You, all these, all these just really just bad thoughts. Um, depression, anxiety came with this as well. And, um, yeah, man, I, I just made a commitment to, um, to, to doing therapy and doing the work and it started to kind of show up in a big way. And now I'm lucky enough to be able to be in a place where I can apply it to how I view baseball now. And I'm so thankful that, um, you know, my son is here. He's completely reshifted how and, and reshaped how I view life. And, you know, honestly, losing baseball has has given it less weight and less power over me. Um, you know, and everybody says baseball is not what I do. Yeah. Baseball is not who right, I am. It's what I do. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's great. You're saying that, but you're also like a big leaguer and a first rounder that's paid and you're good. It's not easy to say that when it's not there. I, I would be very hard pressed to find guys that say that when they don't actually have it. I think you know? that becoming a parent shifts your perspective. That really changed so it. What, Matt, it's almost like if you're driving and you have the you have your side mirrors and your rear view mirror, that's where baseball now falls in, where it used to be your windshield. Yeah. And looking at it like that. Um, I want to ask you two kind of follow-ups to that. I might be off base in just terms of, again, recalling your journey, but you're working at Costco, you're cleaning floors of a bakery, you're in school, your kid is born, and you're doing therapy all at the same time when you're not playing baseball? Yeah. So here, I'll walk you through my days for the last, <laughs> until I got here, the last four months or so. Um, alarm so goes you were off. doing all of that at, at the same time in, in playing uh, baseball? I finished school. School was going on at the same time for about a month or so, um, and then it's and then I and then I put in my two weeks once I figured out I signed my contract and started getting more prepared for baseball. Um, here I'll just walk you through my days. Uh, alarm would go off at about three three thirty. Wake up, 
um, eat breakfast, try to clean up the kitchen a little bit. So when my wife and son woke up, they didn't have a whole bunch of work to do so that breakfast time was a little smoother. Um, I'd clock in at Costco at five work there, you know, get a, you get a 15 minute break, um, clock out at 10. I would come home from Costco about a 10 minute drive, um, make a, like a second breakfast or whatever. Um, go work out, do baseball stuff, come home from that, um, help as much as I could with, you know, Kai and, and just daddy duty. Um, and then I would do some, my school classes weren't mandatory, like attendance wasn't mandatory, but would probably block out at two hours or so of that. So that would take me probably up until like three or so. Um, and then I would help make dinner. And, um, then I, I started give I was giving baseball lessons at night from like anywhere from like four to seven would do that, come home, um, help with bath time, help with dishes, you know, eat. Um, and then try to fit in some time for me and my wife as well. And then going to bed at like, I don't know, I want to say like nine or 10, like 10, probably getting like five hours of sleep and just continuing to do that six days at five, six days a week. Um, yeah, man. And, and looking back on it, it's crazy. Um, but like, I was just in this mode where like, man, this is just what I have to do. Um, and it, it's, it's just, it's just, go, it's just going to take, it's just going to take what it takes to get through this. This isn't going to last forever. Right. I'm about to finish my degree. I've got a great network of people and, and I know I have the skills to kind of transition into something after this. I don't know if baseball is completely gone. There's a chance it's coming back, but I can't rely on that. And I need to make money in the meantime. So yeah, man, I just did what I did. And, you know, so my second follow up to that was when you're in therapy, they talk to you about acceptance, right? And they mention the phrase radical acceptance. Um, is that just when you say that, is that just like completely fully accepting where you are? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, the, the yeah. analogies they always use it for are people who are in jail, right? Like you're someone put in jail, you're stuck behind bars, like you have mm -hmm. to at some point accept that you're there, right? Yeah. And that you're going to, you know, whether you're right, wrong, shouldn't be there, whatever. But at one point, it sounds like you're accepting the limbo that you're currently in, knowing that you said it's temporary, it's not, you know, permanent, you'll get out of this. And that allows you to kind of embrace who you are as a person, right? Correct. Once you accept that. So it sounds like that, you know, and I give you kudos for not only going to therapy, but finding a good therapist, because a lot of times we go to therapy and it's, it's venting instead of like, a, how do we take strategies and stuff? One of the things I was going to just throw in there is I don't know if, the person you dealt with and talked to uh, was able to give you like a workbook to kind of continue to do that work without them. Um, but there are definitely workbooks out there that can do this stuff. If you're out of their jurisdiction and you, you still kind of need that stuff to go back to. I, I, uh, I have it. Let me go, let me go find it. It's in my backpack. <laughs> I have because it. Other people need to see this too. On the side. Love that. <laughs> I think the so, other thing when you talk about that kind of therapy is opposite. Yeah, this is my, <clears throat> this is my book, the mindful self-compassion workbook and opposite, um, op emotion, opposite to emotion. 
So it's like the whole thing, like, oh, I don't feel like working out. I don't feel like doing it. And then you just do the opposite. It's act, it's, it's yeah. act, behavioral activation. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that, it's, it's, acting bef- it's acting to feel instead of waiting to feel a certain way before you act. Yeah. Um, and that's very, there's something very powerful to that because there was a lot of times during that, you know, year and a half spell, man, I would just feel very gray, which the best kind of how I can sum up what depression kind of feels like. Um, didn't really want to do much and just started to try to do, take little steps and do the next right thing and take the next step forward. And then slowly started to kind of get some momentum to where I was kind of getting out of this kind of phase of isolation and really just kind of wallowing. And that's not to say that, you know, it's completely valid for me to feel that way, but I just, I can't stay there. Right. Um, no, feel the emotion, know that it's there. And I think when you talk about, you know, I wasn't excited for my son being born. The crazy thing is when you bring life into this world, you inject life into you. And it's like this whole thing of like how you're like, I don't want to say reborn, because that's not what I mean, but like rejuvenated in life because of this life you brought in. It's, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I, when I, when he was born, um, I was like, you know, it's crazy. I don't know what I've been doing before this because it feels like my life just started. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've said that, you know, like now that, now that he's here now I really feel like I have a kind of a purpose. Um, obviously there's things that I, there's other things that I kind of align with and values, but like, that really, really reshifted just everything about kind of what I've been through. Um, yeah, man. So just truly to be here now and talking with you guys and being able to share this with people, um, just a blessing. And, and I hope that people can kind of continue to just, you know, I'm not pulling any punches here. I'm also not trying to dress this up in like a, you know, dramatized way or anything like no man this is just it it just is and it's it's what i've kind of been through and i know that everything that i went through was for my betterment um and i'm just thankful yeah i mean your story is incredible and it's just the openness that you have we really appreciate that um the one thing i would wanted to touch on too is like you mentioned like baseball's a game that's a failure and you're going to be kicked down more than you are like stood up a lot of the times. And then if you're wrapped up your identity in the game, it's really hard to find ways to separate that completely. Right. And you talked about that a bit on your journey. Um, so like, what would you say is like the one piece of advice like that you have, this is always the kind of the last question that we usually wrap up with as um, what's that one piece of advice. Someone who might be going through some of the same struggles that you are coming on the same journey that uh, you're on. What would that one piece of advice be for them? Well, first of all, I hope, I hope nobody has to walk the same journey. Um, Mm. um, A couple of things that I would say, um, just where I am now versus where I was, I'm much less concerned with the results Mm. and much more concerned with my system of how I attack a day, right? For me, like there's some non-negotiables in there. Um, I have been really getting in the habit of writing daily. And there's no prompt, there's no time limit, there's nothing I'm supposed to talk about. It's just me checking in with myself and doing that. And then also figuring out what are the things that I need to do today, especially in the baseball world, to be successful. And there's a system of things, you know, I'm going to, there's, there's, there's prep work that I do that I know is going to put me in the best place to have success. Am I going to have success? That's, I have no control over that, right? There's, 
no guarantee of that. I don't know who I'm facing, whatever. But I know that those things are kind of going to put me in the best place. Um, but really, man, I, I've just been trying to be fully present um, whenever I'm doing things. Like, I'm here with you guys. Like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then that's how I was able to really break up all of this, you know, just the crazy schedule was I was just trying to make myself fully available to what I was in at the moment. And it's something to start. It's something that's hard to do when you're getting started. But as you start to get in that process, and I didn't have time to be like carrying, being, you know, parenting with me at baseball or carrying an indie ball game with me to being a parent, right? Like, nah, man, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. So what I would do was I would keep a notebook with me in my car and when I showed up to the, when I pulled up in the parking lot in Lexington, I would write some intentions for that day. Right. So just be like, man, may, may I trust myself as I am, may I accept myself as I am and just be present here. And I would go through, you know, the, a crazy game, whatever, spend the time going back home to Louisville, you know, middle of the night, pull up to the house, turn my car light on, write, you know, I'm proud of you for showing up today. Today's over now go be a dad or whatever. Right. And I was able to really just like doing that was able to help me just fully set my intentions of where I wanted to put my focus and kind of doing those things, man. And it sounds kind of overly simple, but really just like I try to write when I wake up or before I go to bed. And since being able to do that, like my emotional regulation has been so much more steady. Um, I'm able to, really put a finger on how I'm feeling or why I'm feeling a certain way. And now I have the practices to kind of navigate through those and be able to acknowledge how I feel, but not let that completely hinder how I'm going to go through my day. Um, It gives me a way to accept this is how I'm feeling right now. And I put my finger on it. Now, what do I need to do to move forward and kind of um, go through this day in a way that that's going to allow me to show up and be my best self. Um, So, yeah, I would say those two, you know, figuring out, some sort of system or the things that you do daily that, that yeah. help you be your best self. You know, do you feel good after you go on walks? Like, um, for me, it's writing. I try to go on a walk, uh, right now having to FaceTime my son as much as I can, you know, just things like that. Um, uh, music, all these different things, um, that just make you feel good and embracing those and trying to make sure that you're doing that more than the things that, that make you not feel great about yourself, you know? There were a lot of times, especially during that period where like I needed to fully be off social media. I don't need to see my friends playing baseball because I feel like I should be there. Mm -hmm. Why would I continually expose myself to that if it's just making me feel really, really bad about myself? Right. So there were just knowing those, knowing the way things are making you feel and then taking the necessary action to make sure you're doing more of the things that make you feel good and taking inventory on what things make you feel bad and doing less of those. Yeah. I think the one thing that really stuck out to me there too, um, you talked about like the action items that you did to help you kind of get through and separate. The the one thing I like that you did is that you um, write, you wrote freely, right? If we started with doing a thing where like we have to write three things of gratitude today, then all of a sudden it starts feeling like a chore, right? Where if you write freely, it's like, what's coming to my head? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? And it becomes more of like, I want to do this. I like writing. I enjoy this. Instead of being more of like a to-do list that you have to check off on a box. For sure. For sure. For sure. It, and, it, and that's the thing. Like it can become, it can almost become 
performative mm-hmm. and then it's not authentic right it's it's it, i've heard something like stopping before you feel like you get to the end yeah um but yeah i mean just going into it with completely because every every day every moment does, is going to be completely new experience and it deserves your full attention you know and just kind of embracing that that mindset um, but yeah, man, I, I think writing has been such a powerful tool for me personally, and it really has allowed me to articulate how I, how I feel, but also be more, um, kind of assured in who I am, you know, and, and unapologetically just kind of embrace myself instead of feeling like I need to get on here with you guys and make myself look a certain way or like, because I don't know who's going to see this, or I want to portray that like, this is really cool that I've gotten signed by whoever you know or this is my story like no man like this this is who i am and you know that's it just is what it is it's not good or bad it just is man you know you know where we meet people is not where they've always been but also i think the bigger thing from our conversation is to realize that um the things we experience in life um, the good bad and the ugly everybody's going through those in some sort of different way and you don't know what necessarily they may be going through at that moment and um, there's a, there's a lot of power in just connecting with people and, and, and asking, you know, how are they and, and fully being present and not just asking, hey, how are you? And then not listening to their answer. Right. Because that may be the uh, you may be the, the person to cry for help that, that somebody needs and can't tell you how much it means for when I had people say just checking in. Hey, man, how's how's being a dad going? And like those it's such a small gesture, but like you remember those things when you're really in the thick of it. Um, those people, um, that are your darkest hour friends. I know there's a guy on Twitter, his name's Sahil Bloom who talks about that. And, you know, when you go through your darkest hours, man, it it does two things. It, it, It shows you who's there for their own good and who really cares about you. And once you figure out who those people are that really care about you, invest double down on those people. You know, those are the people that you want in your life that are going to be by your side when things are really tough and you're also going to know that they're there for you regardless of what your status is in the world and that's been my biggest takeaway from all of this and i'm like i said i started this with i couldn't have got through all this without the people that were in my corner and i'm just so thankful that i didn't have to go through all of this alone you know because i don't think i would have made it i don't it was really hard yeah, I mean, I was going to say one more thing before I see if Caleb has one more question, but this is kind of why we decided to do this, right? Because we wanted to focus on the human beings because like you talked about it. You embrace your full authentic self, and that's what we want to bring out in this podcast is like who these who these human beings and individuals are and their full authentic self. And I think that's just like, I mean, this interview has been so incredible, and this is kind of a reminder to us of, like, why we're really trying to do this and really trying to pull out these stories, because there's there's so much more to the human beings behind the numbers and the performances on the field that I think fans will enjoy and maybe have a different perspective when they start making comments about players' performances or things like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, just to kind of add to that, I think – you know, we as fans, we as people that are at a game or watching at home, we have no idea what these players are going through, right? So to get a glimpse like we were able to hear from you and your story, there are so many different you know stories. You know, you, you mentioned you don't want anybody to ever go through your journey, right? But nobody ever goes through the same journey. It's physically impossible to go through the right. same exact thing. So I, I think looking at that from the perspective, nobody's going through the same journey, but everybody's going through life. And that's what this is. And one of the things... 
that I look at because of the research I've done, but then also these conversations that we've been fortunate enough to have is I look at the person and I think to myself, what do they really enjoy? What are they interested in? And then I look at like their skill level. I'm like, what are they skilled in? Right. And because you like writing and because you maybe didn't do it with a specific prompt or as you said, performative, you're just doing it to let it flow. You are starting to build up this interest for yourself. Right. And no matter, even if you were, you know, the best baseball player ever on the Royals or the Dodgers, it doesn't even matter. You are going to be a former player longer than you would be an active one. Like that's just the truth. And there's no denying that because it is the truth. And when we talk about facts, that what that tells us is this will eventually end. It's not going to end when we say it's going to end. That's not always the the luxury. We're not all Buster Posey, as I always say on this podcast, <laughs> right? But there's going to be something for us, right? I think you are very fortunate. You could say there's a lot of unfortunate that happened in your story. Very fortunate to become a father at a younger age, right? Some of these yeah. guys become fathers and they're like 45 and it's like, man, you're going to be 90 when your kid is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's a very fortunate thing. And then you're still learning about yourself. I think that is you continue to learn about yourself. That's what keeps you alive. And that's what keeps you going. And you mentioned Sahil Bloom. I think you would, you know, echo that as well, because this, the day you stop learning, the day you stop learning about yourself and learning period is really the day you die. Yeah. And you're not going that way. So I think for you, you have a lot to look forward to in the next part of your life, you know, whether baseball ends tomorrow or it ends in four or five years. Like, I think that's, that's the beauty of the game of life. 100% man and you know this is where I kind of have found myself and this is kind of where like my resting place is for how I view myself and what I want to do. I've been blessed with incredible talents and abilities to still be playing this game and be playing nine years of professional baseball right like truly incredible you know I've already outkicked probably I've already probably outkicked my coverage and beat the odds of where I started and where I am now um, and I always say that's just because I'm a try hard. But because I'm a tryhard man, it's led me to my true purpose. And I think that's people and connecting with people and, and realizing that what we're doing is always going to be changing. And this is kind of like my thing. But the way we impact people along the way is what stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. And I know that based off my past with baseball, and I started to really gain some knowledge in diversity, equity, inclusion, and making sure people feel that they are welcome to be their full authentic self wherever they are and that that is completely okay whoever you may be like that's what I want to do after baseball and you know you said tomorrow could be my last day it truly could like every day that I'm showing up here to spring training um I have that in mind and I've just it's been so enjoyable I can't really explain how enjoyable it's been because I know Whenever, whenever this does come to an end, man, the fact that I made it this far and have done it the right way, there's no what, there's no, ah, man, I wish I would have done it. I have no regrets for how it's all gone because of the people that I've met along the way and, and, and that it's led me to my true purpose, which I feel like is impacting people. And um, that's really what, what I'm excited about because I know baseball is just a means for me to connect and continue to have a bigger network and um, just make a bigger impact and just truly thankful for every step of my journey now. I want to add one more thing. 
father to father here. If it's people, you created one, right? And like yeah. you have to understand that no matter what happens, whether you get released, traded, retire, anything that happens, that person that you go home to does not give a shit. 100%. They don't really give a shit. And when I say that, that's because they, you're to like your identity is a dad to them. Mm-hmm. And that's actually like, sometimes you're like, oh, I wish they knew what I went through. I wish they understood what I did to get through this door today. Yeah. But like, it doesn't really matter. You'll it tell doesn't them matter, when, they're, man. when they're older and they still won't care. Right. <laughs> it, it won't, it won't matter. And regardless, whatever, man, my job is to love him and support him and whatever he wants to do. And that's, that's, that's people. That's, that's, that's the job for people, right? You know, as long as they're not harming other people, I guess, <laughs> um, to just fully welcome somebody to, to go after what, what they find passion and what they think is cool, regardless yeah, of it's, sure. it's, if it's the norm or not. And, um, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate this interview and glad you guys took the time to, uh, kind of hear out my story and have this conversation. Yeah, Anderson. I mean, we can't thank you enough for joining us. This interview has been just absolutely incredible, and we're we're pulling for you this spring training. We'll be watching. For sure. and, Thanks, man. Yeah, and we can't thank you enough. Um, and we're just wishing you the best of luck in everything, life, baseball, all of it. Yeah, yeah for sure. In touch with us, man. I know yeah. we could probably talk for a few hours. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like we could. I feel like we could really keep this thing rolling. I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. But we're um, have that episode too. Yeah, <laughs> man. Hey, I I could have you guys on my podcast, and we we'll can love it. We can we can make it a, a two part what whatever man I'm I'm open to anything um yeah so man I really appreciate you guys and you know I know that I'm here right now in this purpose for a reason and that the Dodgers brought me in to impact the people around me as well as well as obviously take care of business on the field but you know I know that's where I truly add value because I feel like the people around me are better when I'm around than if I'm not and uh, I think that's what kept me around this long and uh, yeah man just truly thankful for uh, your all's time and uh, to have this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Love it. That's definitely going to be on baseball. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. At Vast National Bank, we value our billions of customers. Whether you're in Dubai or Tokyo or just London, we care. So bank big with us. Sure, your local community bank may seem friendly and helpful. Their small business loans may even help your town grow and prosper or whatever. But would they help you liquidate an offshore account to bedazzle your private jet? (laughs) No. Bank with a community bank and help your community grow. Find yours at banklocally.org.